Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. Yes, we are back. We had a week off. It doesn't happen all that often on this program, but the matchmaking crowns have returned following a memorable, very fun, for the most part, UFC Austin event, and the lightweight division has a a dude that is knocking on the door of a title shot. That is for sure following the main event. We will discuss that and much more from a matchmaking perspective. But I am Mike Heck, and joining me as always, the co-host, the co-matchmaker, the prince of positivity, and he's my best friend, Mr. Alexander Kaylee. AK, I missed you. I was thankful for our friendship during the Thanksgiving break, and I'm thankful that we're back here together uh, to do some matchmaking after a fun UFC Austin card. A fun Saturday, man. A really a fun Saturday overall. Great job by the UFC. Great job by PKFC. Great job by the. I thought the Garcia Duarte fight was pretty good. Uh, the card was also actually the card itself wasn't bad uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, building up the guys they want to build up. I don't think there was any big upsets. Maybe maybe I'm not uh, reading the room in the boxing world, right? But yeah, overall great card. It's, we, you and I didn't really get to do a lot of work yesterday because again, like I said, our whole team was kind of scattered as far as uh, what assignments we were working on. There's just a lot of combat sports happening. But Austin was great. Uh, I I was riveted from, I don't want to say riveted, uh, maybe the first fight, uh, the Jamie Lynn Horth Hardy fight was fine. But uh, I was locked in from the first fight to the last. Don't regret it. Uh, someone asked me what was the gymna- what the gymnastic score for the card would have been. I said like 8.2 if everything went right. That's probably low. But either way, you know, 8.2, 8.5, whatever degree of difficulty you thought it was, I think it hit it. I think it hit. I don't think it missed at all. Um on paper, looked like a great card and delivered in, in pretty much every possible way. So this is why, this is one of many reasons, Mike, why we are so critical of Apex cards. Because going on the road makes the UFC have to book better cards. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to have a great card on paper. I'm sure we have examples from this year where, where they actually went on the road and the cards were kind of like, you know, not super great. But in general, 
I'm sure if people look at the lineups of Apex cards and at, you know, Austin, Nashville, wherever they happen to go, the, you know, when they go on the road, it's probably a better card. So people do not, you do not have to def- defend these UFC Apex cards. We know why they're doing it. You know why they're doing it. Uh, but when they go on the road, it just makes for a better product. It, sure, it costs them money. It's harder to plan. It takes a lot more work on their end, but it's so much better for the fans. So <clears throat> let your voice be heard, guys. If you love cards like UFC Austin, demand that the UFC come to your town. Topeka, tell Dana White that you they want you on a card in your town, and uh, and we'll get more cards like this. I think you know maybe not quite at this level because this this was a, a a great one, but yeah, this is this is why we have these conversations. Yes, Topeka, tell your government to write a big fat check that says Ultimate Fighting Championship and uh, demand that they pay the UFC to come to your area because uh, not only is it good for you guys, but it's good for the for the local economy as well to get all the crazy UFC fans. Uh, ready and locked in for a big card but like i told somebody yesterday they ain't leaving the apex it ain't it ain't happening it ain't happening because on, for Mike. every for every benil dariush armin sarukian card for every bobby green versus jalen turner or dan hooker co-main event we're getting a song Yudong chris gutierrez main event at the apex and no disrespect to those two fighters but none of those they're not main eventers they're not main eventers. They're not going to sell six, fourteen thousand tickets at the in Austin, Texas. They're just not going to. So the Apex will always have a purpose as long as the UFC has to put a forty-six freaking cards every single year. They ain't leaving. They ain't leaving the Apex, and it's unfortunate. But days like yesterday just felt special. Like when you woke up, you were just like, I was ready to go. I couldn't wait. This wasn't an Apex event coverage day where I was. It was just a slog. I was like, yeah, I guess I'm going to like, like, I'm going to hang out with my family, but I know it's going to end and I'm going to have to go cover this Apex card and it's, that's not going to be all that thrilling. Yesterday was a whole different thing. I was ready to run through a wall yesterday before any of it even started. So I guess it's a good feeling yeah. to be able to, to go through these tiers, right? Yeah. Weirdly afterwards, I didn't, this is, this is going to be a great way to start a show, by the way. I didn't feel like matchmaking after. I don't know why. I I I was just I just wanted to soak in the results of the card, the great performances, the ugly controversies, uh, the, the 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 people returning to weight classes. You know, uh, jumping up to new weight classes. That was fun to watch. There's really compelling storylines. Seeing veterans like Clay Guida step in there for the nine millionth time. I didn't really care about what was next. Um, maybe it's because the new year's coming up, and I'm just waiting for that sort of hard reset in my brain. But. Um, we got a job to do, Mike. We got a job to do. You know, I know we got to make these. We got to make these matchups as difficult as it is sometimes. Um, but the, you know, I hope people don't move on too quickly from this card. I hope people really enjoy, uh, take the time to enjoy what they saw. Yeah, I think this one's going to last a little longer with UFC Shang Vegas coming up next week, which we'll talk about in a in a little while. But let's <laughs> get right into it. Let's start with the man of the hour, Armin Sarukian, who heading into Saturday, not the most popular guy in the world. A lot of people questioning sort of where his momentum was going, where his mindset was heading into the fight, him in a whole bunch of teammates and training partners just roll up on Bobby Green randomly at the fighter hotel, get into a skirmish with him. So we're kind of wondering where his motivations lie. And people forgot all about that, AK, with this performance. He just obliterated Benil Dariush. This was... The game-changing performance that everybody was looking for. I've been 
as everybody knows by now, no one has been higher on Armin Sarukian for longer than I have. I've been there since before the Islam Makachev fight. Now I'm feeling a little bit of vindication. It took a long time, but I'm feeling pretty good after this performance. The problem is, AK, this is lightweight. This is the best division in the sport. This is the weirdest division in the sport. And we have a little bit of a logjam right now because if you're Armin Sarukian and you deliver a performance like this, there's nowhere to go but up, but it's almost impossible to get anything realistic for you that you should get right now when there's a little bit of a logjam with Islam getting ready to potentially fight Charles Oliveira. We have Justin Gaethje. We have Dustin Poirier hanging around, but he's also at ATT along with Armin Sarukian. So he's in a weird position right now. After the performance of his life, what do we do with Armin Sarukian now? I got to give him a big fight. I got to give him a big fight. This, this is why I want to preface these, uh, this, our rankings segment here, uh, rankings prediction segment here, uh, Mike with, uh, you know, that I had trouble. I had trouble kind of getting myself to the right mindset because I, I just went to the rankings, started picking off names, you know, what's not going to happen. I, I think I just want to see him fight Charles Oliveira. I, I'm after, uh, Islam's second win over Volkanovsky, I was not in the just rebook, uh, Islam and Charles Oliveira camp. I think I said, Oh, I want to see Gaethje. I want to see the Gaethje, uh, Makachev fight. So I need that to happen. That leaves Charles Oliveira free. Uh, he probably is just going to wait. I think if you're Charles Oliveira, you just take your time and you wait. And there's a 50, 50 chance that you end up getting the, the winner of the Gaethje, uh, Makachev fight anyway. But in the case that doesn't happen, and again, if we are doing the matchmaking here, I got to see Del Bronx fight again. I, I hate to do this because I like both guys so much. I think Charles Oliveira, again, could be champion again. I think Sarukian has always had the potential to be champion. It looks like he is right on that path now. So you got to throw them in there together. I think we're at the point you got to throw them in there together. Number one contenders fight, whatever that means in the UFC. Uh, whatever happens, you're going to get an amazing battle for sure. Probably a super nasty finish. That's the way I went with it. Not not thrilled with it. I just, I'm not entirely sure what other direction to go in. Yeah, it's a weird one. I'm not even going to friends forever with this because it is Charles Oliveira right mm-hmm. now. But here, what's probably going to happen, like Oliveira is going to get the shot. But in a perfect world, the world we should be living in, no disrespect Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje should be getting the shot. Oliveira should have to fight Armin Sarukian to get a second shot. And it's just going to be a weird situation because... I have a feeling they're going to try to do Makachev Oliveira 2 on that Saudi Arabia card. What if what if Oliveira says no? Or what if Oliveira can't yeah. make it there? We're just going to keep going back to this well until he gets back in there? And even so, I don't think Oliveira could beat Islam Makachev on his best day. And again, no disrespect Charles Oliveira. Like, let's just do this fight now. I, I mean, what's probably going to end up happening is that Sarukian will be the backup fighter for this Makachev Oliveira fight. He'll go in and weigh in. And he's probably still not going to get a title shot. But even if they do Makachev versus Oliveira, too, I am very confident that Makachev wins that fight. So then Surukin could just fight Oliveira anyways. It's really hard to book him. Like, it's almost similar. It's similar to the Gamrot fight. But Surukin has a far better case of getting an Oliveira fight than Matush Gamrot does right now. After kind of a weird injury stoppage win. While Surukin just straight up obliterated Benil Dariush. So... Sergian is a win away from fighting for the title is the correct answer. Next, he, whoever he fights next, if he wins, he's getting a title shot in his next fight. I hope so, Mike. I, I hope you're right. Because he's the real deal. He's the real deal. I don't think this is... And as great as Benil Darius's run was, as great as Tony Ferguson's run was, 
I I don't know if at their best I I I, view, I ever viewed either of those guys uh, at the same level of dangerousness. What a terrible way of putting that. Uh, that I view Armand Strukia. I, mean, I know people are gonna say that's crazy recency bias, and for sure recency bias. I would, we we're coming off a huge knockout. Armand's the younger fighter. Uh, Tony and Benil seems like they they've seen their best days behind them. I'm sure if I look back on their fights, I'm gonna kick myself and go like, wow, how could I say that about them? But again, they both had great runs. Where our uh, Tony's, a, I think, a top six, top seven lightweight of all time, despite never held the undisputed title. Benil's top fifteen, top twenty somewhere. Both great fighters. Nothing wrong with that. But I think when you see a prospect like Strukian, you see a guy who is achieving what he's supposed to be achieving. I would call Tony Ferguson and Benil maybe both slightly overachievers, uh, given early expectations. I think Armand is the opposite. I think he came with huge expectations. He gets the Makachev, the first Makachev fight right away. Um, competitive, you know, loses, but didn't look out of his elements at all. Uh, has only the, the the very, very close Gamrot fight since, which you have many, many times called a Surukian win, a, a robbery. Uh, and other than that, it's just pretty much smashed everyone else. So, uh, yeah, it's he needs to fight for the title sooner rather than later. He is the real deal. Will he beat Makachev? I don't know. Uh, but I, I'm very excited to see. And I would pick him to beat both Charles Oliveira and uh, Justin Gaethje if that somehow, if that fight somehow materialized instead as well. So, it's just really exciting stuff from this guy. Now, if, if he wants to do the Gamrot rematch, I'm totally with it. Yeah. yeah. And Gamrot has has no say in this matter whatsoever. <laughs> uh, he's just going to have to do it and like it because that's just the positions they're in right now. But I got to say, because we talked about this a little bit on the post-fight show, there is no fight in MMA that I'm more intrigued with right now. I mean, look, if you do John Jones, France, Ghana, like that's huge, but I'm not as like, engulfed and intrigued with the matchup as I would be with Islam Makachev, Armin Sarukian too right now. Because I don't think we're going to get it next. But we're probably a year, 18 months away from that fight happening. I don't think I'm more intrigued by a fight that you could put together in this sport right now than that rematch, AK. Like, especially after that performance, like, that was probably on my top three to five anyways. But after what he just did to Benil Dariush, I'm ready. Like, I cannot wait for that rematch to happen. Uh, it's right up. Uh, this is this is the new kind of it, I was, Islam uh, Volkanovski. When we, when that fight was being talked about, we're like, man, this is high levels it gets. I think now Islam and Surukian. This this could be like when we talk about Islam's run. Um, as much as we're beating up Surukian right now, when we talk about Islam's run and his potential opponents, we're talking about a guy. Uh, and we've said this before on, on previous shows. I think we said in, like the ranking show. He could uh, Islam could string together a four or five fight like title run, which by the way would clear the uh, UFC lightweight title defense record of like just the craziest, most elite opponents you can imagine. He is the best fighter in, you know, what is widely regarded as the best division in the world. And beating Sukhan a second time would answer a lot of questions. Because I think he caught Armin at the right time. I think Gamrot caught Armin at the right time. I think this version of, of uh, Armin beats Gamrot convincingly next time. I think, uh, and he gives uh, uh, the champion, Islam Makachev, a hell of a fight. So it's a great opponent for Islam. I hope it's something that he's considered. I, I hope I don't see any interviews with Islam saying, oh, I don't need to fight Armin. I beat him. I, I'm focused now on going up to 170. I, if I see that, I'm going to pull my friggin' hair out, Mike, because that's just going to make me so angry. So Islam, do the right thing. Stay the course. Fight Gaethje, Oliveira, or whoever. And then uh, guess what? Armin Sarukian is probably going to be waiting for you. Yeah. Do Ga- do Oliveira, Gaethje, Sarukian. And then if you want to move oh, up, amazing. go ahead and move up. That's five title defenses. Three against actual lightweights, but we're, we're not going to 
we're not going to dig him too much. It's at least yeah. it's at least five fights in your division as champion against like defending your belt. You do it five times, you get no argument from me. You want to go up and, and move up? I don't care. But this whole thing, like one or two defenses, and then we're moving up. Like, no, I, I'm not into that. But if you hit the if you hit number if you hit the five. Five's the minimum for me. And then I'll be like, all right, I, I totally understand. But we'll see what happens. Lightweight. It's not a lot to ask. Yeah, it's not a lot to ask. The best. Lightweight's the best. And uh, we're, we're in good shape here. Can what we can we pour one out quickly for Benil? Uh, who, by the way, it's, again, as much as I said, his lightweight run maybe isn't as substantial as an eight fight, eight fight, nine fight win streak, eight fight win streak. Eight, yeah. Um, it's still an amazing win streak. And he's still a great fighter. Uh, he probably has years left in him. But it's tough. He was... So I was thinking... He, him and Armin, if you just look at there, how many pro fights they have, not a huge difference, but uh, Darius started considerably uh, well before Armin Sarukian did. Uh, Armin was, I think, 18 years old when Benny made his UFC debut, and Benny has been fighting high-level competition for longer. Um, so it was tough. It was a bit tough to watch because if you even look at how he finished him, it's like this. He kind of whiffs on a knee and then just throws this beautifully fast you know, follow-up right hand, just clobbers Benil with it. That's a like that's a young man's attack. That's like that is a that to me showed the age. I'm not just saying that's the only reason Sarukian won, but you saw that's just the kind of move that a younger fighter can do. Just kind of uh, throw a knee out, whip out a right hand, whatever, and that uh, older fighter cannot, I think, properly react against. It's just it, it's just not going to happen. I think you saw speed and athleticism gap there, and it was it was a bit hard to watch because uh, if again if Benil wants to fight for another six seven years, good on him. But these are these are telling moments. These are damaging moments, and uh, I hope um, I don't know. I just hope he's okay, and I hope Benil Darius can you know can retire with his uh, his faculties intact and with a lot of money in his pocket. And uh, we got to see just him and Bobby Green, right? That's the way to go, right? Maybe, maybe. I don't know, no. man. Like, do what excites you, but I don't know. We we're talking about this. Like, if Patty beats Tony, do you just throw <laughs> Patty in there with him? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, have to right. I I would love that because people who are telling me two years ago Patty's never going to fight a top ten lightweight. Well, guess what? Benny is still a top ten lightweight after that loss. You maybe bump him down seven, eight, nine. I don't care. He's not lower than ten. Benil Darius is not lower than ten in the light in the uh, MMA lightweight rankings. <laughs> if you give him Patty, win or lose, that's a win for Patty. That's a win for Patty. People told me he would never fight a top 10 lightweight in the UFC. I'm certainly not counting Tony Bergson at this point in Tony's career. Uh, but Benny is. So, I, oh. Mike, you've come, you've come around. You see the, the fun of, of, this, of the Patty Pimblet matchmaking now. I mean, it's working. It's, it's one of those things where it's just kind of like the trail works out because Somehow. Tony's lost six in a row. Benil has now been brutally knocked out in two in a row still a top 10 guy like if you're gonna build patty and put him in that spot like like these are the fights he's gonna have to take and perform in like there's no slow roll for patty anymore we can't just do like like if he fights benoit santini benoit santini is going to absolutely destroy him like patty may never fight again if he fights benoit santini but if he fights benil dariush if they strategically book him i mean we got something here and Eventually he's got. Eventually he's gonna run into like a Sarukian type who's just going to yeah. annihilate him. Yeah, but that's fine. That's fine. Until then, you can do this. We got a, We got a little track for for good old Patty the Batty. Keep 
Keep giving them names, man. Keep giving them names. I can see people flipping off their devices right now, listening to this mic. Like, why are we building this guy? Why does he get the you know, why is he the one who gets fed these guys? It's like, because he's, he's popular. The UFC likes him. There's a huge segment of the MMA fan base that likes him. Uh, and and like you said, Mike, it's it's do or die now. There's no seasoning this guy. Like, oh, let's keep giving him. He's in his prime. He's not old, but he's in his prime. He's been fighting since 2011. I'm oh, sorry, 2012, excuse me. So he's 11 years into his end maker. He's not a prospect. You know, this is a guy, he's been around for a long time. You, you have to, if you really want to take a shot and see if he can beat contenders, you could do a lot worse than, again, doing the Tony Ferguson, Benil Darius route, and then one more name fighter after that. And then maybe he falls fast accuracy with a title shot. I don't know. I don't think so. But at least we get him into a title, you know, eliminator talk. And again, that is much farther than a lot of people told me he was going to go when he made the UFC. Yeah. Like, when they, I, like, a lot of people thought I was crazy, but I still defend the Molly McCann, Aaron Blanchfield booking to this day. So do I. I was yeah. with you. Because yep. if Aaron, because if Molly had beat Aaron Blanchfield somehow at MSG, we were talking about just throwing her immediately in there with Valentina. Like, immediately. Not, not a number one contender fight. Like, you beat Aaron Blanchfield, you fight for the belt. Like, just go. So, and, she obviously lost because it's not going to affect her that much. You just chuck no. her on a UK card and it'll be fine. And the same thing with Patty. She can still co-headline. She can still co-headline an England a card in England. Absolutely, Absolutely. they love Absolutely. her. And you can do yep. that with Patty too. Even if he loses it to Tony, you could still do the same thing. We're making um, too much sense, my best friend. We're making yeah. too much sense sometimes. Yes. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And there are certain fighters that Patty shouldn't fight. One of them is named Jalen Turner, who just knocks brutally knocks oh, wow. out Bobby Green. Kerry Hatley should be suspended from refereeing for 10 years after this stoppage. This is really bad. This is really, really bad. But the Bobby Green run, it was kind of tough, man. Like it was, while it was a, a great day for the lightweight division in its future, it was just a... It was a bad day for vibes checks, and it was a bad day for just guys who almost got there but just couldn't get there. Like Benny Dariush, I think it serves as a lesson that you have to at least. My this is something my dad always told me. Like he goes, it's almost he goes, it's great to be great at one thing, but it's better to be good at lots of things. 
as opposed to being great at one thing. And Benny Darius was great at fighting, but he's bad at everything else. Like he's bad on the microphone. He's bad at callouts. He's bad when the, the lights are on him and he needs to say something compelling. Bobby Green is the opposite. He's great when the lights are on him and needs to say something compelling. And a lot of times he's super fun to watch. So he checks off all the boxes. Both those guys lose. Both will never fight for the belt now. The Bobby Green, Jorge Mazadal-esque magical run has come to an end. Uh, Benil Darius will never, ever fight for a UFC title. It was just a sad day for them. Great day for Armin Sarukin. Great day for Jalen Turner, AK, a guy that we thought wasn't even interested in this fight. Somehow comes in, makes the wait on thanks after taking the fight on Thanksgiving Day. That's when this fight was announced. Nine days notice, makes the wait, goes out there and knocks out Bobby Green, delivers way too much damage, but that's not his fault. And now he's in a weird spot. And here's the problem, AK. The problem with this performance is that Jalen looked incredible. But the story of the fight is not on Jalen. It's on the asshole referee who let Bobby Green almost die in the octagon. So it kind of takes away from everything happening. And then Armin Sarukian just kind of stole all of the thunder from Jalen Turner. So as nice as this was for Jalen Turner to get back on track and a win that he truly and desperately needed, I don't think he gains a whole lot from this. I don't think he's going to get a huge step up in competition. I don't think he's going to fight a top 10 guy. I don't think any of these things are going to happen. So my selection is Jalen Turner takes on a guy we haven't seen fight in quite some time. A guy who cut the promo of the year in 2022. His name is Hinato Money Moicano. That is the fight to make. I don't think he gets any better than that. Uh, because otherwise he's gonna have to fight Grant Dawson, and I don't he gains like really nothing from that. But if he goes and fights Moicano, I think he gets a little something something out of that. Yeah, it's a great matchup. I think I've thrown out Moicano for someone else. I think a couple of times I've thrown out Moicano's name, and then the person got matched up with someone else, so I used it again. So I can't keep going to the Moicano well, even though it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I went instead with someone coming off of a loss, like you said, Mike. Uh, j- just picking another fight for Jalen was really tough. Um, like Dan Hooker versus Bobby Green was really the perfect matchup. It really we all was. Wanted that. We all wanted that, and it would have just made so much sense. Now, now Bobby Green's out of the picture as far as uh, moving up the rankings for now, and uh, Jalen Turner's kind of taking a spot. But he fought Dan, uh, Dan Hooker, so uh, I'm going with just an exciting fight. This is not a magic wand. This is what I think will kind of randomly fall out of the matchmaker tumbler. Uh, Matt Fabula. I think Matt Fabula is a fun fight. Yeah, similar ranking. I know he's coming off that loss, but again, if you're Jalen Turner right now. Great decision, apparently, to take that risk and take a lightweight bout on 10 days notice. The last time we matched me for Jalen Turner, I think I was saying I want to see him go up and fight like Michelle Pereira or something like that. Uh, oh, not Michelle Pereira, because Michelle Pereira went up. Uh, what did I say? I wanted Jalen Turner. I remember I wanted Jalen Turner to go up to welterweight. So I kind of still think he should, but damn, he looks so good on Saturday. He made weight on t- nine, ten days notice. Not that he should keep doing that, and I'm sure it wasn't fun. Didn't someone on our Slack say uh, he posted a picture, or, or you guys were talking about on, on one of the shows that he posted it was a on picture. the watch? It was on the BKFC watch, watch party. Jalen Turner, one hundred eighty point two pounds. That can't be good. I mean, can't be good for him, and also not good for his opponents. I guess if he actually makes that and then steps into the uh, steps into the cage, he is just an enormous, enormous man. Uh, so, yeah, part of me still really wants him to go up to welterweight, but he made it. He hasn't said anything about making a dedicated move to 170, so we kind of got to keep going with 155. Give me an exciting fight with him and Matt Frivola. 
And unfortunately, again, I really a win for either guy. I'm not sure what it would do for them. It's just an exciting matchup and uh, keeps that uh, sort of just outside the top 10 of the lightweight pack busy while the uh, top 10 sorts itself out slash uh, ages out and finally gets the hell out of the way. This is a tough day for Dan Hooker, too, because he went from fighting Bobby Green, a fight he could have won, although I would have picked Bobby Green to win that fight as well. Um, now he's going to have to fight like Benoit Saint-Denis when oh, he gosh. comes back. Boy. But that's that is one thousand percent the fight he's going to get offered now, and yikes, that's tough. That's we tough should one. we should Mike, we should tell people we were pretty hot. Most of the MA fighting crew pretty high on the Bobby Green Renaissance. Uh, you, myself, and Shaheen, I believe, all had Bobby Green. Uh, Casey had Turner by decision, and uh, Jed Mishu a perfecto picked a Jalen Turner first round knockout. So we, you know, we except with the exception of Jed. Uh, and because I, I think even Casey thought it would be a more competitive fight, uh, we all we we all had hopes for the bar. The makings were there. The short notice, he missed Jalen missed weight on the first attempt. He needed a second attempt to make it. Uh, Bobby Green's been on a good streak. I do think he's still a great striker, but uh, kind of I guess kind of what I said with the Armin Benny fight. That's uh, boy, that that age catches up to you and size. You know these these physical things catch up to you eventually. Yeah, man. Bobby Green was the most popular fighter on the card by a mile. Like it wasn't even close, but he did that little jumping somersault and like the triple H, like let's go. I mean, I thought, I mean, babies were flying in the air, AK with happiness, like woohoo, like, yay. It was just one of those things. So yeah, God, tough, tough for Bobby Green, but we'll see where it goes. It was tough to match make for Jalen Turner. I got to say, AK, it was incredibly easy to match make for Davis at Figueredo. He's comes into Bantamweight. We had a million questions about how he would look, if his power would translate, how it would all go against Rob Font, who is tough and big and pretty good at this fighting thing. And Figgy just did the damn thing. He looked incredible. Tackled Rob Font a couple times early, which is very, very smart. We learned a lot from the Sanhagen fight. Font was doing pretty good on the feet. Figgy just kept kind of mixing things up. And then Figgy changed the whole complexion of the fight. Lands a big shot. Font starts to stumble back a little bit. But Font with that legendary New England cartel chin hangs in there. But Figgy sweeps the cards 30-27. This is by far and away the easiest pick up, uh, for Atno for this episode for me. Uh, it starts with a P. It ends in Yoder Jan. There's no other way to go with this. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, again, no no real friends forever moment here. I think you either mentioned this on Slack or on one of the shows. I I, I was tracking you a lot, Mike. I missed you. I missed you. We didn't really we didn't really get to talk directly last night or work or again work on the same stuff last night. So uh yes, it's gotta be Piotr Jan. It's an awesome fight. I mean, this is essentially a year ago or whatever, two years ago, they they were I think they were both champions at the same time at some point. It's hard to tell, I can't remember with the Figueredo hot potatoing with um Brandon Moreno, but it's like a champion versus champion fight. On paper, it's fantastic. Piotr Jan is probably sitting around waiting for the right fight for him to come back. Um, he's not, you know, he's a, he's in a slump. Well documented. We talked about it a lot. It's kind of crazy to say how long it's been since his last win. He's been losing to good competition. Figueredo, not an easy win by any means. But if you're Piotr Jan and you're going to come back and try and find a win that would be meaningful for you and a fight that's sellable, uh, you could do a lot worse than a two-time flyweight champion. Davidson Figueredo. So I don't think the size difference would be crazy. I think uh, Jan maybe maybe a few pounds on him, but nothing nothing too wild. And if Figgy beats him, boy, just keeping himself on a on a track to become a, a two division 
you know, title challenger at worst, possibly two division champions. So yeah, no friends forever here, Mike. Very obvious pick. It's it's pure young. Yeah, there's some other picks. Dominic Cruz, uh, which oh, I yeah. didn't mind either. Uh, did he? He didn't call him out, did he? Because that's what I would have done if I was uh, figurator. Actually, would just called out Dom. Yeah, he didn't have like an actual call no. out. Um, he doesn't need it. I was like, he's going to call for a title shot, and he's never going to get it. So, like, Sean O'Malley's not going to fight Figueredo. This is it's not going to happen. But good performance. I was very impressed. If there's one guy who, I don't know, if we're talking about, like, who stock probably rose the most, it's probably Figueredo's after that performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on, like, the where where people thought he was in his career to where he is now and after he performed, probably Figgy got the biggest boost of the card. Can I put you on the spot? Where do you think you will rank him? When our next round of rankings comes around, where will I rank him? That's a let me let's that's take a, a look. freaking great question. Let's you know let's actually let's open up our uh, get a little inside base. I'm gonna I'm open up our internal ranking stock here and let me see what Mike has got last month for Bantamweight. I'll tell you where Font really makes things easy. You got you had Font at ten, so I think at the at the bare minimum, Figgy's just gonna you're not gonna bump Font down, right? I think Iggy uh, Figgy is gonna take his spot. Correct. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, and I think you'll Jonathan do the same Jonathan Martinez thing. is probably going to be... Sorry to the silence behind the violence, but uh, I believe Jonathan Martinez will be out of our rankings. Right, uh, right. Maybe Dominic Cruz will be out of the rankings. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Time. I have Cruz so high. I'm not so high. I'm at like, 14. I'm at 12. It would still seem super high, but okay. Yeah, because I don't feel like... I, I don't think I could take Martinez out. Like, that's just not fair. So, I would say Figgy will probably be 10. And Font will probably drop to like twelve or thirteen, and Cruz will be out. That's where I think we're going here. Yeah, I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have Figgy at ten, and then uh, so Font's gonna come down a bit, and I'm gonna bump up Umar. Actually, I actually have Umar at ten right now, so I'm gonna move him up to nine. Figgy behind him, and then Font behind both of them. But uh, yeah, either way, I think we agree. You beat Rob Font, and you do it in a in pretty pretty impressive fashion. Uh, your top 10. Top 10 at uh, 135. Yeah. Let's go to the welterweight division. Second most intriguing fight on the card was yeah. Sean Brady versus Calvin Gaslam. I had yeah. just a trillion questions about this. So many people <laughs> jumping off the Sean Brady train. It was just unbelievable. All week, Sean Brady stinks. He's overrated. Calvin Gaslam's going to thump him. A lot of people were telling me that Calvin Gaslam's is going to go in there, not even break a sweat, and just going to knock out Sean Brady. He's just going to outlast him. Round two, he's just going to go and obliterate Sean Brady with punches and kicks. And my response to most of those people were, I mean, good luck, but what performance in the past, recent past, has led you to this decision? Because I just don't see it happening. But, you know, all the best to you. Uh, Sean Brady just ran over Calvin Gaslam. This was not competitive for one second. Uh, There was one, like, early sweep from Calvin Gaslam where he got out of a really bad position landed like one punch through a bunch. And then once Brady got back to his feet, this was not competitive again. Uh, just destroyed him. This was not fun for Calvin Gastelum and his team. No, this is the Sean Brady show. And this is the, uh, this is the y'all must've forgot performance of the card. Okay. What did you think of Sean Brady's performance? Where does he go from here? I just want to say first, I was not off. I never got off the Sean Brady train. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Bilal Muhammad, so I always looked at that more as like, wow, this is how good Bilal is. But I, my problem was that because I did pick Gaslam, is I also never got off the Gaslam train, which is which is you know been chugging along intermittently since like 2015. So I never quite got off. And when I heard he was back at 170, I got kind of excited. Like I got fooled. I got fooled. Um, I'm still 
and I'm not saying he can't be good at 170, but uh, we know a little bit, we have a little bit of a better gauge where Calvin's ceiling is because, like you said, this was not close. Uh, maybe it just wasn't Calvin's day, but I think if you run this back 50 times, I think 45 out of 50, Sean Brady wins in similar fashion. So, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to it, it's hard for me to say too much positive about Gastelum's return to 170. Other than he made it, he hit 170 on the dot. That's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, Sean Brady just had his way with him. Uh, I messaged you guys like, boy, by the end he was just he was just bull rushing Gastelum and just tackling him to the ground. Not even like, oh, set up, set up the double leg. It just run at him, grab his like, grab Calvin's shoulder, grab Calvin's hip, and just throw him down. I was like, damn, Sean Brady. Uh, he heard people talking. He wasn't happy about it. Hard matchup to make, Mike. I don't, I don't know. I uh, again, welterweight has some of the same problems as lightweight. We got a lot of veterans at the top. So I had to go backwards. I think uh, you keep letting him build up his resume, not build up his skill set. I think we know what his skill set is. I think it looks good. Um, but keep letting him build up his resume. I don't, because I don't think he gets uh, uh, JDM. I don't think he gets um, uh, Machado Gary if he wins his next fight. I think they keep him away from those guys, away from each other. I had to go backwards. Neil Magny. I don't know. My, I know you got a better one than this. Brady's not going to fight Neil Magny. Mm. They're buds. Are they buds? They're buds. Uh, Neil's booked. I got he not? I don't know. <laughs> I think there's some can you tell I didn't want to, Can you tell I didn't want to do this? <laughs> oh, he's fighting Mike Malata, UFC 297. He's fighting your fellow Canadian, AK, Neil Magny. That's a that's just straight up doo-doo. I just, I, just took a big, I just took a big pile of doo-doo and just plopped it on the disc. Oh, yeah. It was like Jurassic yeah. Park doo-doo right there. It was on, on multiple levels, yeah. I went with the Gary Luke winner. I, I think that just makes all the sense in the world. Like Brady wanted to fight Luke Gay in the to begin with. That fight made a lot of sense. But Luke Gay was on the sidelines dealing with everything he was dealing with. Uh, everybody wants to fight Ian Gary right now. And if I think if Ian Gary goes and beats Vicente Luque, I think a lot of the questions are going to have is like, well, that's great. Like Vicente is kind of a chaotic striker, but what can he do with like an incredible grappler? And according to Ian Shadow Gary, uh, he is the greatest pound for pound grappler that has ever graced the world. So I would kind of be interested in seeing that. So sure, I'm into that. I liked the call from Sean Brady. I thought it was perfect. Go for that Gary fight. Gary beats Luke. Let's do it. I think it's a good, uh, good test. What? No one's jumping up the welterweight. If Colby Covington wins the welterweight title, then nobody at 170 is getting a title shot. That's like, you know what I mean? Like nobody is getting a title shot at 170 that uh, has aspirations anytime soon. So if you're Sean Brady, it's the right call out. I dig it. And I think he's going to get it. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Uh, I just feel like the UFC doesn't, like I, I think Ian Machado Gary is really good too. I just, I, I feel like Brady is just a stylistic matchup that he doesn't want to, she shouldn't want to deal with. I know you, like you said, he's very confident in his grappling, but that confident, Sean Brady's a pretty strong grappler. Is Ian Machado Gary that confident? Um, if he is great, uh, that that's what should happen. I just have a feeling that they're going to try to find a different path for uh, Machado Gary to get to a a top five opponent or a title shot. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe at some point they, again this. Sean Brady, JDM, Ian Machado Gary. Hey, Mike Malott if he beats Neil Magny, because uh, apparently that's why it's happening, and I'm going to be there. I totally forgot about it. Uh, Michael Venom Page, I don't know if that kept that, you know, that uh, quote-unquote leaked, rumored, you know, planned Kevin Holland fight happens. Maybe Michael Venom Page gets shot up there. Maybe he fights Ian Machado Gary. Yeah, you're right. He has to fight someone else with their own uh, kind of... Um, uh, with, with, who also has 
momentum right now at some point. Some, someone's getting derailed, which is unfortunate. So I guess that's my, that was just me trying to weasel around it with my uh, nonsensical Magni pick. But which how Gary or Luke a both makes sense. Maybe Luke a win or lose? Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brady's 16 and 1. Like yeah. it's it's like people thought Brady lost like three in a row the way they were talking about it. I guess because Kesa they, they didn't love the Kesa win, which a clear win. I think they just didn't love like there was moments where he was he looked uh, you know not like the not like a top five fighter and they're like oh well he's exposed he's exposed he didn't look it's like crazy top five. like that was right. tough like that was the biggest name he had ever fought at that point. I know. It's crazy. It's freaking wild. Now we get to the point of the card, AK, where. These fighters go in and they fight their ass off and they get wins. And then what is next for them coming out of it? They are going to hate uh, when it comes out of my mouth. I don't know how it is about yours, but we'll start with uh, Neto BJJ, Joaquin Silva, who didn't show a lot of that BJJ that seems to be a thing for him. Goes and beats Clay Guida. God bless Clay Guida for still getting out there and getting after it and still acting like he wins fights when he clearly lost them. It's just the best. It's one of the best gimmicks in all of the sports. Joaquin Silva's going to Mexico City next. He's going to Mexico City, February 24th. And he's going to fight Daniel Zellhuber, AK. Like, this is, this is his future. And it's not very bright. I'm sorry. I don't like this matchup for Joaquin Silva, but I think this is what he's going to get. Uh, so give me Silva versus Zellhuber, February 24th, Mexico City. I think that's kind of where we're going here. What do you think? Uh, I will say, I also, I like that. I, I went. Uh, I also went with a South American opponent, but uh, not Daniel Zellhuber. I just want to say, I, I keep trying to ask Key Cruz, do we know what Neto BJJ means? What does the Neto, we don't know what the Neto part means, right? I think that's maybe, maybe it, it means maybe, maybe it means like not a lot of? Yeah, never uses. <laughs> because other than his nickname... Other than his nickname, and according to Wikipedia, he has a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Oh, there's a citation. That's nice. Uh, the citation is UFC.com. There you go. So other than UFC.com and his nickname, uh, do we know this guy is legit Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt? Do we know? I, I, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Maybe I'm forgetting some of his other fights in the UFC. I swear he's just a Muay Thai guy. Is he not just a boxing and Muay Thai guy? He does not grapple, right? He's not, not a thing, right? He doesn't grapple at all. He hasn't submitted someone in nine years close to 10 years we're close to 10 by the time he fights again it'll be 10 years since his last submission i don't uh, even brendan fitzgerald i don't blame him said uh in in the in the build-up in the video the video promo for the fights like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert blah, blah, blah. i'm like i i only have his to like this these this text to tell me this i don't understand i don't know if he fights bjj i want to see it so I threw him in there with Claudio Poyas, but now that I think oh about it, yeah, but now that I looked at it, it probably just turns to the Dan Hooker fight again. He probably just like beats him up on the feet. Anytime he goes to the ground, he probably just stands up and goes, "Okay, hey Claudio, stand up, stand up with me." <laughs> so I may, I may have actually picked the worst matchup to, for Joaquin Silva to show up as BJJ, but uh, I don't know. I want to see this mythical Neto BJJ, and for our Portuguese listeners out there, if Neto does mean never doesn't uh, hates BJJ. Uh, let me know. I'll, I'll ask Geek Cruz. I, I, he's told me before. I just told you for I think it's maybe even just like a geographical. I don't know. But I don't think this guy ever uses his grappling. Yes, we obviously have a ton of respect. We're just playing a little gimmick here. But it's yeah, great it's super funny. Yeah. Super, super funny. And now, which it, Dustin Stoltz, it's good win. Not a lot of people are giving. I think he was one of the, I don't know if he's the biggest underdog on the card, but he was one of them. Fought, went in there with Puna Soriano. 
I don't think Puna Soriano is long for this UFC world no. anymore, but man, Dustin Stoltz was coming through with the big win. Grits, grits it out, gets a finish. Now where does he go, AK, in this really interesting middleweight division? Uh, you and I, I have a feeling we're going to have two totally different answers, and Dustin Stoltz is probably going to like your answer far more than mine. <laughs> I know what your answer is, so I didn't go that way. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Dartboard. I, yeah, I broke with the middleweight dartboard for this and I just, I just hucked one at it. Albert Duraev. I, I don't know. There's some, again, I've just looked at my rankings. They're like similar, similar range. Duraev's not booked. I think it's a good test for Stoltzfus. Stoltzfus has, he's not like, he shouldn't, I don't think so. I know what you're going to say. He shouldn't fight anyone like the top 30. He hasn't really earned that. Just keep, you know, let me see what he can do in the, in the lower tiers of middleweight and keep getting paychecks getting bonuses everybody everybody who got a finish got got bonused up on saturday so that was nice so you got some extra 50 g's uh but mike go ahead let him let him know let him know what you got for dustin so he's not gonna fight somebody in the top 30 as at least as of right now um i think many people expect him to be in the top 30 the top 20 the top 10 the top five top three maybe even wearing a ufc title at some point but look we need a logical Next step for the next big thing at 185, I felt, and I've been saying Puna Soriano's name for this individual over and over and over again, the UFC refused to listen. And now I felt like this fight was not just to get a win, to not just get back in the win column, but it was for the sweepstakes to fight this man. So Dustin Stoltzfus coming off of a huge, much-needed victory Come on down. You are the next contestant to fight Bo Nickel inside the UFC's octagon. That's the next logical step for Bo. Bo is clearly fine with being slow rolled here. Bo Nickel has beaten the two worst middleweights on planet Earth, if we're being honest, when it comes to rankings and what people kind of understand for their futures at this point. I think Stoltzfus is a nut from Val Woodward. To Dustin Stoltzfus, like, I think that is a pretty decent step up in competition. Uh, Dustin Stoltzfus would still be the toughest fight Bo Nickel has had in MMA to this point. And I think it's a good logical step. You could either do it at UFC 300 or if they, the UFC does go to Miami in March, Bo Nickel trains at ATT, which is just outside of there in Coconut Creek. There you go. There's your fight. Dustin Stoltzfus versus Bo Nickel can kick off the main card. Boom! There you got. There you have it. Sorry, Dustin, but that's that's where we're getting. Uh, I thought. See, I, I thought you were going to say Bo was in your top thirty, and I realized like, no, he's, he's probably not there yet. He's, I know. I just noticed he's not in mine. I have him thirty four in my UFC middleweight rankings. So, which makes sense. It's hard. It's hard to throw a guy in the top thirty, even in like one of what I would consider the weaker divisions, uh, one eighty five. Uh, it's hard to throw them in the top thirty when they're two and zero, five and zero as a pro. Uh, again, the guys, the guys that Phil Haas is. Excuse me. That's I have Phil Haas ahead of Bo Nickel. The guys that Bo Nickel has beaten um, are like pretty low level. I think that's low ranked in the UFC. I think that's fair to say. Um, so yeah, I think it's fair not to put him. But if he beats if he beats Dustin Stoltzfus, just like runs to him and around, I'll, I'll I'll inch him up the rankings. He'll definitely he'll definitely make it into that top thirty. I think. Sure. Yeah, and that's that's what you do. Like, there's yeah. no Bo doesn't seem to care if he's rushed or no. not. He even said like coming off. Of, what was it? Did he fight? July was the last time he fought, right? That was the Wilbur friend. I think he so, was yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm not fighting the rest of the year. I don't care if I lose momentum. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I'm not fighting again until 2024. Sorry, and he'll be fine. The second he gets back in there and gets a win, it'll all be good." 
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to the wild card route. And you know what? We don't even have to do this, AK. We don't even really have, I'm not even going to put out the whole disclaimer of the wild card <laughs> because here's the deal. This is not kind of is a friends forever moment. If anybody, and you can be a little hipsterish if you want, but if like the logical choice for a wild card was not Misha Tate versus Holly Holm too, then you are like, you're banned from the show. Like you're banned. Don't even submit picks for the next like month and a half. You're off. You're off the show. Uh, we're not even going to read your selection. I, I kid a little bit, but no, I can't but promise th- that. I actually probably will read the selection if it's some out of, out of pocket. Misha Tate. <laughs> yeah, but this, dude, but this is it. Like, come on. Like th- we need to just put this out in the universe. Mm-hmm. Just bombard the UFC with this. The only, here's the only, the only way that I will accept a different answer is if you match up Misha Tate versus Ronda Rousey at UFC 300. It's yeah. the only other answer I will yeah. accept. But other than that, there should be no other wildcard selections. It's Tate home too. That's it. Is that yeah, what you got to? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't my wildcard pick. Cause again, I knew we were going to talk about it. So I had, a, I have a different one, but yes, that I, we definitely have to get that out of the way. We talked about this in the show before we talked about this after Holly Holm wins. I think we talked about this after the, uh, the law, Amisha Tate's loss, Lauren Murphy. We're like, Misha, just go back up to 135 and just go fight Holly Holm again. It's, it's a, it's a very logical matchup for both women. It's amazing that we never got the, rematch sooner we always thought that one should have been run back um because the first fight was super exciting uh it was a comeback win for misha she was on her way to i'm pretty sure she was on her way to losing a decision or it would have been a draw i think if, she, if if holly had made it to the to the cards i think it would have been a draw it would end up being a draw i have to, I have to but it was a great fight great fight very memorable moment in both women's careers and the fact that it had at no point was run back is a bit strange but now we've got a second chance at it misha is really inspired great performance against julia avila uh dominant performance performance 
and uh, she deserves a big fight. Yeah, if you can wave a magic wand and make Ronda come back for sure, I mean, I know it's certainly possible, and if the money's right, she will. Uh, but that date's getting closer and closer, right? We're saying April, and I, I don't know. Like, what's that? Six months from now? That's so four months. Four months from now. That's gonna be a tough comeback for Ronda. As great an athlete as she is, talented, she's just come off the couch and fight in the UFC, even against Misha, a woman that she's beaten twice. But yes, that's the number one pick if you can be guaranteed to make it happen. But if we're working within who's actually signed to the UFC roster, it's Holly Holm. Uh, I went with a very random wildcard pick. Drakkar close. Well, I just wanted to give Drakkar close some props. Come back from like 16 months off. Looked fantastic. I, I still really like him as a dark horse lightweight contender. I know he has a pretty clear ceiling. I don't think anyone will predict him breaking into the top five. But that's okay. It's lightweight. It's really tough. So I actually like Grant Dawson for him. Mike, I like Grant Dawson for uh, Drakkar Close. Oh. Yeah. But Drakkar Close called for the easiest lightweight in the UFC, and you're going to give him Grant Dawson? How dare you? I mean, listen, Dawson's on his way down. He's got knocked out. I think uh, he's out. Of, no, I don't know. <laughs> I love I love Drakkar Close's call out. Uh, and if they want to give him, you know, contender series guys that he can beat up on, great. But I think he need. I think they'll uh, do him a favor. That's why what he said and, and help his career aspirations a little bit and give him a, a ranked opponent. Yeah, that was wild. By the way, my Misha Tate pick from last, but the last time I match made for Misha Tate, I got blasted for it. Like I got, like I got, I got blasted for it from the peeps. Someone actually went with that same matchup this time around. I think people came around to it. I think people came Wait, around you said to Holly it. Holly Holm last time. People blasted you? No, Misha Tate. No, I didn't say Holly yeah. Holm last time. Oh, what did you I, say? I, You'll see. It's going to come up because okay. oh, okay. I, I looked at oh, you're it. You're building like, up. You're building up. Okay, I'm okay. building up. Of course. I of said course. this one. And even you were like, my best friend, I love you, but I, I don't like this. Um, but now I think it's coming around. I think it's coming around. I think it makes more sense. And if it's not Holly Holm, like this is, actu- this is actually the fight to make, but we'll get into it. Uh, do you want to disclaim? Do we have any people claiming Otno points? I think I had one person, but. I will uh, get to that in a moment, but please. I have not had a chance to actually look at the... Uh, I'm going blind, so Ooh. I will let you know on the fly. We will judge on the fly whether some of these people uh, deserve their auto picks. Uh, their auto points, excuse me. Yes. All right, let's go. You guys know the rules. Robbie Ryan, happy holiday season, gentlemen. Let's get Otno. I don't care if Jim Miller is booked for January. Miller versus Guida, UFC 300. Look. You could book Jim Miller in March, and he's still going to fight UFC 300. So I'm not too worried about him fighting in January. Uh, give Sean Brady what he wants. Luke a versus Gary Winner. Figgy versus Dom Cruz. Turner versus Moicano. Sarukian versus Gaethje slash Oliveira, whichever doesn't fight for the title next. Wild card, Tate versus Holm 2. There you go. We're on the right track. John Ray. Veronica Hardy versus uh, Mandy Boehm. Jared Gooden versus Bonfim. Bellato versus Bukoskis. Close versus Dober. I like that fight. Brundage versus Stoltzfus. Silva versus Peak. That'll be JJ versus Trevor Peak. That's interesting. Uh, Sean Brady versus Jeff Neal, AK. Would you like, do you like that one? I do. I think the only reason I didn't is because, well, we don't know how long Neal's out, right? I think Neal's a very logical pick, but we don't know how long Neal's out. Neal's dealing with some sort of injury again. Injury, health thing again? Injury? Injury. Yeah, something happened. So I, was, I just didn't. But yeah, that's logical. Another figgy versus Cruz, and in parentheses, Garbrandt is probably going to lose to Boom Kelleher. I think a lot of people are on the Jed Mishu train uh, as well. They wanted to see figgy Cody Garbrandt, no matter what. Uh, Bobby Green versus Moicano. Turner versus BSD. 
Benny versus Fazeev when he returns. He needs to take some time off. Sarukian versus Oliveira. What do you think of Jalen Turner versus Benoit Saint-Denis? Like, now, that thinking, fight rules, to, but yeah. do you think the UFC does it right now? No, they won't. But give, but give it to me now. I, I, am, I want fights now. Uh, if, if a fight can be put together and both sides are amenable and it makes sense at the time, just do it. Would I love to see them fight further down the road when they're both like, you know, creeping into the top five? Yes, of course. It's always better. But there's so few guarantees in this sport and it does feel like a logical matchup to make next. So maybe not ideal. I know it sucks. Someone's going to take an L, uh, and, and, and lose their, uh, lose their, a bit of their charge, charge of the charts. But, um, I don't care. I'm selfish. I want to see amazing fights. That'd be insane. Pretty much zero chance that goes to scorecards. I think, uh, I think goes the distance would be like plus 800 or something like that, maybe higher. Uh, but I, I want it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Anyone who's just it, you, you're, you're thinking the right way. We can. It's always great to build up fights, but, man, you can't wait too long because we've had a lot of fights that we've always wanted to see on paper. Say, oh, let's, what if it happened two fights down the road, two fights down the road, and then they just never happen. So pull the trigger when you can. I've come around more to the almost prospect versus prospect uh, sort of matchmaking. The one time I'm a little hesitant is situations like this, where Jalen Turner is obviously a very, very good fighter. Um, he's really good at this fighting thing. I just don't know if he's a star. I feel like BSD could be a star because of the you know Paris relationship, the sport growing, the crowd being crazy. And I just think there is a sort of intrigue to Benoit Saint-Denis that could make him a star. Like you look at Benoit Saint Denis and you put him in a room with thirty other guys, and you feel like BSD could take all thirty of them out by himself. Like there's, we don't feel that way about Jalen Turner, but we do about Benoit Saint Denis. Like he's like the the Liam Neeson and Taken of the UFC, in in a lot of respects. So that's like why I'm a little hesitant that they would go to that right now. I would love to see it. I just feel like even with, even though I would pick Benoit Saint Denis to win that fight. And I think probably the UFC matchmakers would too. I think they would be like, eh, do we want to risk this right now? Or do we want to like keep him in a position where he can continue to grow and become a bigger star? So we'll see what happens. I, 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 do, I don't dislike the matchmaking here, but we'll see how it all plays out. Dad Jackson, the one that actually agreed with me on the Misha Tate booking. So I don't know how I feel about it now <laughs> after all that. Uh, Jared Gooden versus Nico Price, Bellato versus Tyson Pedro, Jakar Close versus Jared Gordon, Cody Brundage, Brian Barbarena, Dustin Stoltzfus, SD Dumas, Sean Brady versus Gilbert Burns. I saw a lot of this. AK, do you like this? I don't like this right now. Brady Hold on, I, was reg- I was registering one of the picks there for it. Let me make a little note for myself. What was the, you said Gilbert Burns was who? Sean Brady. Um,. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's it, Sean Brady can be competitive against anyone in the top five. So if you want to just go that way now, I say have at it. Um, I don't have a problem with it. it, is, it uh, is it not tickling your fancy? Too soon? It's, it's not because... It's more on the burn side. Like, I just... I just feel like no one gives Gilbert Burns like any credit at all. It's like people just think he's just a middling fighter. I, I don't understand why people feel that way. Like he's really good. Like mm-hmm. if you fight Gilbert Burns, you should be fighting for the belt in your next fight. Yep. You know what I mean? And I feel like people are just like, oh, well, Jeff Neal just got a win. Let's just chuck him right in there with Gilbert Burns. Like 
any welterweight that gets a decent like if Ian Gary beats Vicente Luque, everyone's going to show for him to fight Gilbert Burns. I'm like, what? Like we're just going to jump right to that? It's craziness. So I, I get it if they make it. I'm sure Brady's not going to say no, but I think we're like at least one win away from that for Sean. I uh, I didn't like the Barbarina Brundage pick either from Dad Jackson. I just want to say because I don't. I, I guess Barbarina might stick around 185, but that's that seemed to me like something he just did on a lark. I I don't think he's a 185er. I don't know. We'll see. I, he's he could be. I know he's older, and I'm sure he's in a stage where he's like, ah, I just want to be able to <laughs> eat whatever I want and not cut not cut weight and uh, step into the step into the cage like 188 pounds, like just barely over the middleweight limit. But I don't think okay, Dad Jackson, you're all right because. Hey, he, his next fight might be a middleweight. What do I know? That did seem to me like uh, the fight with Murdov, and it did not go well for him. Yeah, uh, he's not. I don't think he's big, nearly big enough for that weight class. Uh, I, I don't think you see him at one eighty five again. But hey, could be wrong. So, Dad Jackson, uh, you, uh, you you can you can shove that in my face later. He likes Figgy versus John, Misha Tate versus Eileen Perez. That's what I said after Perez's first UFC fight. I'm like, just throw in there with Misha Tate <laughs> and just see. And the amount of like. Oh, you shouldn't be on the show anymore. Yeah. I was like, what? But now, like, that actually makes sense. Like, if you don't do Misha Tate versus Holly Holm 2 here, it's first of all, it's promotional malpractice. But two, this is the this is the one. Like, if it's not Ronda, if it's not Holly, this is the fight. Misha Tate versus the twerk and Eileen Perez. It, let's, just, let's just do it. Who cares? Just throw her in there with Misha and see what happens. You said this after Eileen's Misha's last... Eileen's first UFC win. I was like, oh, just after, throw her in there with okay. Misha Tate. In July. Right now, just do it. Uh, I'm still not all in with this. Uh, and the fact that Dad Jackson agrees with you is not helping your case. It's really not. So I'm not sure why you would bring that. I was up. hoping it was anybody else who did this, but then I realized I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Well, but hey, if it happens, this is you got you got an appointment for you. It's good booking for you. It's good booking right there. For you. We need, this division needs something. They need some. They need some. They need a shot in the arm, real bad. That fight will definitely give it to them. Uh, Armin Saruki versus Michael Chandler. If the Connor fight doesn't happen, the top ranks of lightweight are so crazy. Who knows what will happen with the belt come next year? I don't see Gaethje wanting anything but a title shot. Poirier fight would be awesome. Don't see them getting matched up. So I figure when it comes to big names available, 155, that's what I want to see. No. Why would Michael Chandler ever fight Armin Saruki? It would be insane. Michael Chandler has. My, I, think, I think I said we said some iteration of this with other names but if michael chandler w- wastes whatever what two years how long is it now two years 18 months of his career waiting for mcgregor only to get his ass beaten by armand Sukian, that would be one of the saddest stories in recent oh memory god wow <laughs> it would make me feel bad inside yeah if that's what if that's how it played out jed would be the only person who would like that that would be la- that would be jed's favorite story of whatever year <laughs> that ha- if it happens next year that'd be like his number one favorite story of 2024 if that's what happens to michael chandler oh so, my gosh please, michael chandler you're out there you're smart you know better than we do you don't need to take that fight he also was not a fan of the bobby green stoppage which i think we're all in agreement on chris london <laughs> darius versus turner green versus jared gordon two font versus the Songinon chris gutierrez winner brady versus the gary luke loser silva versus joel alvarez stoltz versus rudzaboff and harry dewaskin Veronica Hardy, J.J. Aldrich, like that fight. Uh, Gooden versus Oban Elliott. Bellato versus Zach Pauga. Poteria versus the legendary Jose Medina. Brundage versus Chidi. Stoltz versus A.J. Dobson. Neto B.J.J. versus Vince Pichel. Jalen Turner versus Moicano. Armin versus BSD because no one else fight. Again, why would Armin Sarukian take that fight? 
He just goes out and obliterates Bedelgear. Yeah, I'll fight Benoit Santa. No, come on now. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this, AK? I don't like this one either, Harry. This is not your best work, I- at least to me. Maybe, AK, you like this pick. Uh, Sean Brady versus Renat Fokratinov, who's coming off of a draw against Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. Like, Sean Brady comes back and gets this huge win, and then he has to go backwards to a guy who didn't win his last fight? I, I don't like this pick at all. Um. I know people are high in Renat. He's got a very glossy-looking record. He's still, despite the draw, undefeated in the UFC. I actually have him ranked so low, and I, I better look up his. I better. Uh, sorry, guys, for the typing. I better look up his who he's fought for to before I um, make this statement. Okay, so all right, so I have him ranked at. I'm gonna say this. You're probably gonna say this is crazy too low. Keep in mind, welterweight being a very deep division. I have Fakratinov, uh 43 out of seven, almost 80-something um, UFC signed UFC welterweights. So, you know, top 50%, which I know it sounds bad for a guy who's, what, he's won, he's undefeated in friggin' 100 straight fights. I think uh, I had nitpicked his record at one point. I believe he's one of those guys who overseas was beating up like... Um, oh and what you know, he was like it's he was like twelve and oh fighting like oh and oh guys, things like that. Um let me just back this up. I gotta back this up with facts, Mike. I should have I should have done my my should have been Yeah, there's yes, okay. If you if you guys look at Renat's record, uh yes, he has not lost a fight in so so many years. He's won uh whatever 20, 10, 15, 16, 17, 18 straight, I don't know how many. Uh, there's a lot of zero and zeros in there. There's a lot of O and ones, a lot of like, and as he was like well into his career, like he's like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 fights in. So that's not great. That's not great. You got to win your fights. Props to him for doing it. And then his UFC wins are not spectacular. Uh, Andreas Michalidis, Brian Battle, uh, you know, Brian Battle won. Kevin Lee. Well. I like, I like, Kevin I like Lee Brian was a good one. It's a good one, but he then immediately retired after. That's always, that always makes me uh, squirm a bit. That always makes me squirm. And keep in mind, it's not like Kevin Lee before that was a world beater. Uh, he had the Diego Sanchez win and the, the amazing Gillespie head kick, but that was back in 2019. So a good win for sure, uh, but not something that launched. So hey, hey people have run out higher, I understand, but I do have a, I do have him ranked pretty low, and that's why I really don't like that Brady matchup because, yeah, I have Brady in the top 10, so I'd be keeping going. You're talking about him taking a step back. In my rankings, that's like a monster step back. And I, I, so I don't like it at all. But if you're, if you're, if people are more bullish on Renat than me, if they've like to have him in their top 35, top 25, sure. Maybe it makes sense. I, I just don't, I just don't, uh, I don't rank them like that. I'm going to throw one other piece of matchmaking business, if you don't mind, before I go to you, AK. Um, after her title defense at BKFC 56, Christine Faria called out Chris Cyborg for a bare knuckle fight. Chris Cyborg responded a little while ago. I'm focused on my boxing fight January 19th, but if Kayla Harrison isn't going to be ready, uh, let's talk. I get it. I'm oddly fascinated by Chris Cyborg, Christine Faria, and bare knuckle boxing, AK. It would be the Kayla fight first, but I just feel like the vibes are not there that this fight's ever going to happen at this point, especially when the co-founder of the co-leader doesn't even want to do this fight. He wants to do Cyborg Larissa Pacheco first. Like, I, I I don't want to make this a bury the PFL thing because Don Davis has already done buried himself enough over the last week and a half. He's just going to be posterized for the rest of his combat sports career at this point. Um, what do you think about Cyborg going to BKFC AK? Would you be intrigued by this against Christine Faria? I am Faria? all in. 
I am all in, Mike. We have seen what BKFC can do to people. It has turned Mike Perry into maybe the pound-for-pound number one fighter in the world. He is is invincible without the gloves inside the BKFC ring. Cannot be beaten. It's quite terrifying. Lord knows what it would do to an actual world champion and elite fighter in Chris Cyborg. Uh, She might just be recording 15-second knockouts uh, when she gets in there. Um, The other other thing is, uh, God bless Cyborg for, you know, she's... I'm trying to find a nice way to say this. And Mike, tell me if I'm crazy. No one cares about Cyborg's boxing career. The boxing <laughs> career that she's... Is that is that a horrible thing to say? I mean, she'll probably block me on Twitter for saying this <laughs> for two years, like she did before. Uh, but you're probably right. There's just no, I, there's no interest in this. None. none. Unless she's fighting like L Bridges or something, like yeah. no one cares. <laughs> Can we? Okay, that I would put over BKFC. But if that fight can't happen, yeah, it's and it's not her fault. It, it's nothing. Chris, it's not Chris Cyborg's fault. It's just, it's just the game. Sometimes, sometimes you can do something. You can go take a chance to do something different. And if people don't buy into it, people don't buy into it. And it's not. And she's fought like two or three times in boxing. Now. She has a boxing. Her next fight is a boxing match. I'm not mistaken. Does she not have a boxing match coming yeah, up? January nineteenth. No. No one knows about this. No one knows about this. Uh, maybe we need to do a better job of covering it. Fine. If we want to call the media out, that's fine. But we have reported on a lot of our other boxing matches. And let us let me just tell you, there is basically no recognition when we put one of these stories out. Um, so we have tried to do our part. Uh, it's, it's just it's just not landing with people. So, But Bare Knuckle. You put her in Bare Knuckle. I'm not saying she does Mike Perry numbers, but people will tune in. They will tune it. They will talk about it. They will want to see. And this is also the cat. This is how you get the casuals. People remember Chris Edward from the UFC, uh, even from Bellator. And you just, just know her. They know her name. She is one of those fighters who has flirted with mainstream popularity. You tell people she's going to get into a bare knuckle brawl, a sanctioned bare knuckle brawl. You're going to do some numbers. So I hope that's in her future at some point, because uh, I think she would be just fantastic at it. If you had to choose one, what are you picking? Cyborg Kayla or Cyborg Christine in BKFC? Oh, I thought you were going to throw it out, what you guys were talking about last night, the Mike Perry, Dylan Dennis thing. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Because I was going to say, for the sake of our jobs, we'd probably have to do the Mike Perry, Dylan Dennis thing just because of how much the click, 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 click. Be the biggest, it would be the biggest fight in the history of the website, I think. It would be just, I don't even want to think about it because I know it's going to happen now. Uh, Christine, so you said Christine Freya or, I said Chris Cyborg and Freya or. If you had to choose, like if Chris, you had oh, to book Chris's next yeah, fight, yeah. would you do the Kayla fight or would you do the Christine <laughs> Freya fight for BKFC? I, I still want to see the, also I'm on the Pacheco bandwagon. I want to see the Pacheco fight. I, I So I, I still want to see her do MMA first. MMA is what she does best. Uh, so I can't quite go all in. I know I just said she could be a have a, a fantastic next chapter of her career if she chose to go into a bare knuckle. But I still do want to see Harrison or Pacheco. I, I'd still like seeing her do MMA. Um, but the fact that we're even asking that, that we Christine Freya name value wise is nowhere near Kayla Harrison. She's not even near Larissa Pacheco. Uh, but guess what? Uh, well, I shouldn't say that because BKFC. It's pretty big. It's, it's Christine. Big. It's, it's, it's Christine, Christine is a name. for me. Yeah. It's not even okay. close. This one's not you're even probably close. probably not the only one. It's not even you're close. Probably not the only one. Yeah. Uh, please, you're up. Uh, listen to oh, right. my best friend. Oh, God. Oh, okay, by somebody. the way. Oh, real quick. I'm sorry. I just... Oh, <laughs> frig, I just no had it too. Uh, let me just pull this up real quick. Someone wanted an no point, and they, they showed me the proof and the evidence. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Harry, uh, belated no point for calling Gabriel Santos versus Weston Wilson. Yes. I'm not even going to, like, even if you didn't show me the proof, I would just give you the point. 
because who else is booking this fight? So good for you. Uh, you get an Otno point. And Happy we, holidays. And would be so proud of it. But take your point. Take your point. Well son. done. Well done. All right. I'll go to Instagram first. Uh, Chris Carey Media, who I think messaged me before a long time ago. I think they didn't quite make the deadline. So, Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party, pal. They say first time, long time, budding young commentator slash announcer from Australia. I think the last time he messaged said he was doing basketball, Aussie rules football, would love to do MMA. So, Chris, I don't know if you're doing MMA now. But good luck. If you want any tips, uh, hit up Mike. Mike has done MMA commentary uh, as well as DJ several bar mitzvahs, I think. So he's a lot of a lot of good advice. So uh, Chris <laughs> Carey wants to do uh, Surkian versus Oliveira. Gaethje gets the title shot against Makachev. Turner, Moicano, Figgy, Jan, Brady, Burns, and Tate and Penny Kianzad. So they got one like that. Uh, I'm not going to read everything. We've had a lot of re- got a lot of repeats here. MMA heads. Let me see here. Uh, Figueroa versus Cruz. Sure. Joaquim Silva, Vince Pichel. Stolzfus, Edmund Shabazian. Huh. Mm. Huh. No, you seem that's more That's not reluctant. bad. No, that's not bad. I, okay, yeah. That's I not like bad. Uh, Hadolfo Bellato. I had to second guess myself there because DC dropped a Hanato Bellato, which sounds amazing, but actually I wish he was Hanato Bellato live on the broadcast, which was fun. Uh, Bellato versus OSP. Uh, oh my god, really? <laughs> what did OSP ever do to you? <laughs> Golly. I don't know if that's like a terrible... Uh, you know, it is. Veronica Hardy versus Gabriela Fernandez. Keep the good times rolling with Veronica Hardy, I guess. Okay, sure. Tino Alvarez. Veronica Hardy versus Molly McCann in London. Yeah, I, I think that's logical, right? If that fight happens. Yeah. If, sorry, if that card happens early next year. Molly McCann versus who? Uh, Veronica Hardy. Is she strawweight I mean, now? Isn't Molly a strawweight? Oh, did she drop down last time? I think. But so. I think she would. I is she? I I think she'd go up to fight Veronica Hardy. I think she'd be that'd be fun. I don't think if I'm Molly McCann, I am not restricting myself to any weight class. I'm just going money weight. I'm just going one fifteen, one twenty five, catch weight one twenty. If people want. Uh, Misha Tate versus Erine Aldana, Carol Hosa winner. Okay, another Stoltzfus Shabazian fight. You know, maybe there's something. It's there. not bad. That's not bad. Uh, Amran Shrikan, loser of Islam versus Charles or Oliver of Gichi. Okay, so he's Armin's in the mix. He's in the mix. Jason Colburn. Stoltz first versus Chris Weidman. Huh. No, they're not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I, still, I still don't mind it. I still, like, I still think there's like logic to that. Um, but you're right. I, I know what you mean. The matchmakers, probably not so much. Uh, Turner go up to 170 and fight Gastelum. Uh, I like Turner go up to 170. I don't know if after that performance by Gastelum, what, I don't think Turner would have any interest in, in fighting Calvin Gastelum. If you're Gastelum, you would jump on that in a second. You'd be like, yeah, screw it. Give me Jalen Turner at 170. I'll do it. Um, Matt. Matt. BKFC matchups. Mike Perry versus Uriah Hall. Uh, unrelated, but if these Bellator fighters slash other free agents are willing, I think BKFC should sign them to bulk up the roster. Yancey Medeiros, Tyron Woodley. Tom Woodley. Uh, we'll get to that after that in a second. Brendan La, Saba Hamasi. Yeah, Saba Hamasi. Oh, man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Please. Uh, Uriah Hall, Jose Aldo, question mark? Eh, I don't know. I don't think Aldo is into that. I, Aldo, I think his boxing career actually could actually end up being pretty fun. Uh, Mike Tyron Woodley in BKFC? Um, see, this is, and this is like one of the conundrums we were having watching BKFC is like, Mike Perry just keeps annihilating all these dudes. And 
But now, like, who is he going to fight? We're trying to find, like, compelling matchups that can live up to what they've been doing with MVP, Luke Rockhold, Eddie Alvarez. Like, who would do this after seeing what Mike Perry just did to Eddie Alvarez last night and seeing what Eddie Alvarez's face looked like at the end of this? Probably broke his whole... He broke the side of his face, broke, shattered his orbital bone with, like, one punch. How many, like, big-name fighters are going to be like, yeah! I'll fight that guy. That's awesome. Uriah Hall is actually super. Uriah Hall is a good one. I didn't even think about that. But is he like a draw? Woodley is a draw to some extent. I, would, I mean, I think Mike Perry would absolutely wreck him. But it would get attention. Darren Till, I don't think, is doing BKFC. Mm-hmm. That's the fight. Yeah, it really is. And Dylan Dennis is just like... God, wow. He would gladly sign up for it, but it'd be plus 20,000 that he actually shows up on fight night. I mean, I, there's no amount of money. You could give, I'm trying to think of the odds that you could give me that I would actually bet on him showing up. I, I, plus 20,000, I wouldn't even do it. Plus 20,000. That's throwing away, that's throwing away $5 or how much money I'd put on that. He's not showing up to fight Mike Perry. There's no world where this man steps into a bare knuckle ring with Mike Perry. Yeah. No world. So that's the thing. Would, like Woodley might be the guy. Anthony Pettis, I think, is an interesting one. But would he go to BKFC? Maybe for a lot of money. Matt is suggesting this is who is this? Matt Brad. I want to get the name. There's a lot of Matt Bradbury. Matt Bradbury is suggesting uh, Anthony Pettis versus Eddie Alvarez uh, versus Eddie Eddie Alvarez. I don't know why I read this such a weird way. Anthony Pettis Eddie Alvarez too, but in Bernard, but with uh, in BKFC. I'd like that. I would watch it. Sure. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, Knuckle Mania could be a really interesting card. <laughs> Sean Brady versus JDM. Calvin Gaslam. Oh. This this feels like a loser leaves town match or something. Or loser, loser strongly contemplates retirement match. Uh, Calvin Gaslam, Michael Chiesa. I like that one, actually. I do, too. I think that could be a super fun fight. And I'm sorry to both fighters that I framed it that way. Because, again, I shouldn't, I shouldn't imply that either man's close to retirement. I just, you know, they're so experienced. Because um, that could be a really fun fight. That could be one That's of those sneaky... Like, I could see people kind of rolling their eyes at the fight, like, oh, who cares? Well, neither of these guys are going to contend. Blah, blah, blah. But sometimes you just make fights because it's fun. And guys, that's, you know, guys around the right age, the right experience level. Matt Bradbury, I like that. I like where he heads, with that, heads out with that. Uh, Armin Srukian versus Fazeev. I like it. It's just that Fazeev, again, a guy who's injured. I don't know when he's coming back. Armin has no reason to wait for him. Yeah, at why this would point, you take prob- that fight? It's probably a step back. I do think we're all going to have Armin. If, you, if we don't already, we'll have Armin ahead of Fazeev. I think we all do already. So Fazeev's lost two in a row. It. He's lost two in a row. Why would Turkey take that fight? I don't know. I don't hate it for some reason. But again, I also picked uh, Neil Magny uh, to, for a fight earlier. So, oh, yeah, you know, my, you did. My, I'm, not, sure you know, I'm did. not in the right headspace right now. Uh, did you already read Gerard, Gerard Biag? I keep forgetting. He used to be one of your guys. No, I didn't read him uh, or Four Corner Sports. Okay. Uh, did I, okay, good. I think I got Four Corner. I'm not sure. Drakkar close, Matt Frivola, Tate Holm, Yosti Hundred. I like that. Stoltzfus Petrosky. Uh, that actually might make sense right now. Uh, I don't want to read all these. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of the same. Benil Dariush versus Dan Hooker. Sure, 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 sure. Thank you, Troy. Let's go to the Twitter. Let's go to the Twitter. Chris Martin calling this the Come On and Jam. Welcome to the Slam edition of Odd. Oh, no, I love it, Chris. I, we didn't even talk about the slams, Mike. I don't know how we skipped over that. I'm sure you guys, I'm sure there was enough chatter on the, the post-fight show about it already, but tough Dean, really difficult to match make for. Knowing guys like Oliveira, Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler off the board, even if it makes sense. 
not to mention injuries taking Fazeev and Hooker out of the equation. Uh, Armin isn't getting a tell shot next uh, rematch Metrish Gamrot. So there you go. Benil RDA. They're not, are they buddies? I feel like they're buddies. I feel like we've been over this before. Why would Benil? No. Or am I thinking of two other people? Guys, guys, listen. Stop putting RDA in lightweight fights. Okay? (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Until he <clears throat> actually, if he signs <clears throat> a dotted line for a lightweight fight, we can start doing this. But RDA has publicly said many times, I'm not going to lightweight. I'm a welterweight. Okay? No more. No more. Yeah, and it's I, a doo-doo pick. They, they're super on. close as well. They're, they're super close. I, I yeah. remember, I, this, this rings a bell because I think this was the first time, I don't want to say the first time, but this was like one of the earliest times where we're like, boy, we should really keep track of teammates. And it wasn't us. I will say it was not us that made the mistake. It was, it was I think, several people suggesting it. And we had to make a disclaimer like, by the way, guys, these people are like are not just – Was it Brendan Allen, Gerald Mearshart? That was later. That was later. That, oh, was, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was later. But we had had the rule in place by then. And that one also kept coming up. But way, way before, I think in the earliest days of Otno, I think uh, one that kept coming up was RDA and Benil. We're like, guys, that's not a thing. They're very, very close. It was like Instagram photos of them just hanging out, just chumming it up. So. Uh, not a thing. They're very close. He's called him his brother. So, uh, what else? Are we Veronica Hardy, Marina Morose, boy, Bellato Zach Paga, another one. Hey, that uh, that Bellato Paga matchup has some has some heat behind it. Braden O'Neill. Let me jump ahead here to Braden O'Neill. Joaquin Silva, Guram Kutatlatse. I like it. I like it. Uh, Dustin Stolfus versus Cedric Dumas. That's probably a way they're going to go. Mike Druckard close and Elvis Brenner. I like that. You like that? I like it too. If I wasn't playing the Captain Obvious game with the Tate Home booking, (laughs) that probably would have been my wild card. Uh, Although close close and Kutatsalatse is incredibly fun too. I like Druckard close, man. I think this guy's sneaky. I think think he'll... I'm not saying he'll be a top 10. I think he'll sneak his way into a couple of fights against top 10 opponents. He, he's just injuries have just God really held this guy back because he should be fighting top 10 guys now. And uh, th- I think he'll, he'll get one, one or two in 2024. Uh, Bear O'Reilly, happy Sunday. Hopefully by the time you've gotten this Celtic and beaten St. Johnstone three to one, baby. Number one team in the world. Number one, number one team in the world. If you don't count the rest of Europe and like South America uh, as part of the world, which I don't. So, you know, Celtic, number one team in the world. The Boston Celtics, uh, right? Absolutely right. And how dare you? Don't you dare sully the good name of Celtic with that <laughs> trash team. Uh, Rodolfo, Rodolfo Bellato versus Tyson Pedro. Decent step up for Bellato. He should, he should be rewarded for doing us all a favor and taking the duelist out. God, we're never, we're never going to forget about the Shogun fight. Uh, this will also be a fun fight that probably won't go the distance. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's a one rounder. That's a that's a take the under if it is. Uh, he's with me on close and Dawson. Whoa. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. no. Jesus. What no. What happened? What just happened? Pardon, pardon the blaspheming. What just happened? Oh, no. Very. Oh, no. oh God. What? Don't keep us Dustin, in suspense. Dustin Stoltzfus. Oh, God. Versus Avis Magomedov. <laughs> Very. Uh... <laughs> Very. Uh, I had to look up the exact date. Sept- uh, September. <laughs> Mike's laughing. September third, twenty twenty two. Avis Magomedov beats Dustin Stoltz in nineteen seconds. Nineteen second knockout. Man, it just happened. <laughs> it was not. I mean, it's you know, it's a year ago now. But that was his his was, fight before. It was yeah, I mean, Paris. Yeah, it was a historic, a historic <laughs> card. Literally, his fight just before Puna. He was coming <laughs> off of that fight before. 
Oh, Barry. Amos went on to I headline. Can... He went on to main <laughs> event in his next fight. After my Magni pick, I can't crap on anyone too much, but Barry, that's that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. And uh, he also suggests that Benil versus Patty if he beats Tony. So there you go. That's like you have you are part of movement right now. It's going friend. to happen. Like at this it's point, I was so against the Tony booking that I've found positives in it, and I get it. And I just feel like this is just the way it's going to be from now on. So I just have to embrace it. Now, had uh, had Benil beat Sarukian, this doesn't happen. This slows Patty down. But this actually was like a pretty good result for Patty yesterday. A lot of things are shaking out for Patty in the right way. I'm telling you, some guys just get some guys. The cards just fall, just fall right. Uh, Andy Gulapali, one good one I like here that has been said before. Bobby Green, Paul Felder, UFC 300. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I would hashtag would definitely watch. Sure. Toby Kinsella, I think Toby always with great picks. So Toby, I just want to say he's had a lot. I think a lot of the picks that other people had. So I might have to skip over some of these. Bellato Kuchalaba. Oh, we're just waiting. We just want something dumb to happen. Okay, good. Bellato Kuchalaba, uh, Gooden and Tim Means. He's down with Sean Brady, Gilbert Burns, Biggie on. Yeah, these are all good picks. Toby, these are all good picks. Four Corner Sports. Hello. What do you got for us? Armin and Dustin Poirier. Dustin has said in multiple interviews he wants to fight at 300, wants to fight that guarantees a title shot or an exciting fight that will get him out of bed. Armin is a fight that gets him a shot and with a win. Uh, it'll have high stakes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't think Dustin, that's the one that Dustin wants. I don't think that's the one he's talking about when he says no. an exciting fight. But if we're waving our magic wand, that's a fight that like Armin should be allowed to get. Like that, that's they also train that at the same gym, which is really oh, tough. Oh, Jim Schmim. Jim Schmim, Mike. I mean, Jim Schmim. You, look, they could do it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man. If Dustin Poirier like called out Armin Sarukian right now and said, I'll fight you UFC 300, like, that would be just awesome. Like Dustin might become my new favorite. Like, he's one of he's a lot of people's favorite fighters, but he might become like – he's. Like the onto next one prediction show would be very favorable towards Dustin Poirier if he took that fight. I'll I'll just leave it at that. Like that would be right. gangster if he took that fight. Uh, Rob versus Umar. We're just doing this to Rob Font now, right? This is where Rob Font is, right? He's in that tough spot. He's got to fight top ten guys, and he's the he's a litmus test, right? He's a litmus test at one thirty five. Stop. Hmm. Uh, we've seen people talk about this, Mike. <laughs> one person at least in our in our group, Figgy and Cody Garfrit. Regardless of what happens with Cody's fight at 296. Uh, Jed is so happy to hear this right now. Why do we want this? So Jed, when Figgy won the flyweight title, he was like, because yes. Co- Cody was like, yeah, I'm going to move to 125. Yeah. for the Kai Kara Frats fight. And they booked And he was fight. scheduled. Yeah, he was scheduled. Yes. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk about like, oh, should Cody get it or should like Brandon Moreno <laughs> get it? Because uh-huh. he was on like such a nice run, and Jed made this please like there's no other fight in the world I'd rather see than Figueroa just <laughs> just belting out Cody Garbrandt at 125. <laughs> so now that it's like it could happen, Jed's all in on it, and a lot of people, a lot of other people are as well. And let's be honest, no offense to Rob Font, who I'm, I I have a ton of respect for, and I like Rob a lot. But who's the bigger name, Cody Garbrandt or Rob Font? It's Cody Garbrandt yeah. by a lot, and Cody's a former champion, so. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Cody beats I'm, Brian Gallagher and calls out Biggie. Like, that'd be pretty awesome. We could get it. I'm not super thrilled about watching Davison just destroy Cody. I don't need to see. I'm not with you guys on this one. I don't think I don't need to see this. 
Uh, Thomas Collins, Armand versus Charles or Justin Gaethje, depending who doesn't get the title shot. Yeah, that seems to be where we're going. Mm. Jalen Turner versus RDA. Ah, again, guys. No. Yeah, you know, at welterweight. You know what? I'll say it. I'll, Thomas, I'll save you some, some, some time. Yeah, at welterweight, sure. Go for it. Jakar, <laughs> uh, Mafravola, Biggie, Peter. Yeah. Okay. And let me go to our pal, Tristan Gordet, to wrap us up via email. Sarukian versus... Oh, sorry. That was the uh, headline here. Jakar Close, Kutadlatze, Dustin Stoltz, Shabazian, Verona Cardi, Teresa Leda. Thank you, Tristan. Uh, so that's it, Mike. Not, not a lot of controversy again. Uh, anyone uh, who dropped doo-doo, you know what you did wrong. And uh, hey, I'm with you this week. So send in more of your picks, guys, to me. Uh, Alexander K... I've, I'm forgetting my own socials. Alexander K. K. Lee on Instagram. Alexander K. Lee on Twitter. And Alex.Lee at Espedition.com. Yeah. You guys know what to do. You know what? I, here's the thing about UFC Shang Vegas, which is next mm-hmm. week. I was already bummed that this is a late start one because it's just not a good card outside of two fights. But I was like, you know what? But it's at least 10 fights. Like, it's a 10-fight card. Yep. Uh, now it's 12 fights, and I'm what? a little upset. I'm a little madder about all of what this. Happened? Uh, we have added two fights to this card. We have added Daniel Marcos versus Carlos Vera, and we've also rebooked Steve oh, Garcia yeah. and Ocasio Costa for this card because they were supposed okay. to fight at Austin, which, I'm, you know, if you want to end the Garcia Costa fight, I get it. But we added a, just a kind of a rando fight. 12 fights. Uh, this ain't great. Uh, we got Song Yidong versus Chris Gutierrez. Fine fight. Five-rounder. I'm very intrigued by the Anthony Smith-Khalil Roundtree fight. Because if Anthony Smith goes out there and beats Khalil Roundtree, AK, I'm very much interested in what my matchmaking pick is going to be for him. <laughs> it could very well be Alex Pereira for the light heavyweight title. And people are going to be like, oh, Mike, what are you talking about? What 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 is Alex Pereira get away for Jamal Hill for for nine months? No, of course not. Huge fight for Anthony Smith. Huge, absolutely gigantic. Uh, Sumaderji Alan Nascimento, Andre Muniz versus Jun Young Park, the Iron Turtle, Nazrat Hakparas, Jamie Malarkey. Good fight, great fight. Hyung Sung Park versus Shannon Ross. Shannon Ross still in the UFC, huh? Interesting. Uh, Tatsuro Tyra, one of the best prospects at 125. One of the more under-the-radar prospects in all of MMA. Why is he not on the main card? I don't know. I mean, the main card is strong. I'm looking at the main card. It actually is pretty, Maybe they'll do a six-fight. You know what? I should say, we, we don't have a finalized lineup. Not we do. Until we do have a finalized lineup, I It's believe. not finalized. It's not finalized until the Thursday before. I always say until the Thursday, until I see that ESPN, that email from ESPN saying what the lineup is. I don't, I don't buy it. So, because now that they have twelve fights, they should go six and six. It's right? five. Do the five six. fight main card. That's good for me eh? for prediction. Having to do the predictions. Um, Three, four, five. Jung Young Park. Andre Muniz is the opener. I want to believe that this is how it's going to go. I don't trust the schedule. I, I, they just added two fights. They just added two fights out of nowhere. I don't. I don't trust the schedule being finalized. Um, go on. Uh, go on. I, I do want to comment on the new fights. Uh, Tetsuya's hire Carlos Hernandez. Kanan Song versus Kevin Jasset. Sure. Stephanie Egger versus Luana Santos. Uh, former Invicta Adam Weight champion, Ryan Dos Santos versus Talita Alencar. And then Marcos Vera, Steve Garcia, Ocasio Costa. That is UFC Shang Vegas. I like those two fights, by the way, Mike, because Carlos Vera from The Ultimate Fighter 30, of course. Oh, Ultimate Fighter 31, excuse me, as we all know. Uh, on, he was on the Prospects team because he hadn't been in the UFC. 36 year old bantamweight prospect, Carlos Vera. So that's exciting. And uh, and I'm happy that Steve Garcia 
uh, got his fight rebooked so quickly as well. So I'm not gonna. I like. I don't mind it. Give us a dozen fights. So Austin Hubbard, who made it to the finals and like was fun, isn't in the UFC, but Carlos Vera is in the UFC. Like this. It's 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 so weird. It's also so so strange. But that's where we are right now. So that's UFC Shang Vegas, and then it's UFC 296. And boy, oh boy, if we could just jump into the to the time machine and skip over UFC Shang Vegas and get right to UFC 296 Fight Week, um, I'm a pretty excited guy. I'd be a pretty excited guy. Uh, some news for that for that fight week. Um, obviously, we have UFC 296. There's a lot going on in Las Vegas. Jose Youngs will be there. MA Fighting. Up for a couple, uh, up for the Outlet of the Year award at the MA Awards. And they're sending your pal Mike on the road that week, too, uh, to good old Orlando, Florida. Yes, the problem child, Jake Paul, has a boxing match against Andre August. That's the name, right? Uh, correct. That is his a, name. Quote, a quote unquote real boxer. Yes. As they are trying to, as they are saying, that is the marketing for this fight. I'm fighting a real quote unquote real boxer. So you're going to get. Not only are you going to get me on the ground there, you're going to get Florida Mike on the ground there. Yes, Florida Mike will be back in your lives uh, for the Jake Paul fight week. And so I'll be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'll go to the card and cover the card Friday night. And then I will literally go from the venue to the airport and fly to New York for the watch party to reunite with my man GC one last time uh, for 2023. And it's going to be a fun time, everybody. It's a fun time. We're just going to get through this UFC Shang Vegas card, and I think we're going to be good to go. And uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But thank you all very much. We'll see you all next week to recap all the apexy action that we will find in Las Vegas. And always remember, everybody, don't forget the golden, golden rule. Don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun, and we will have more fun like we always do right here. Next week on On to the Next One, the podcast. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.